0: And welcome to the first ever Movie Chef podcast where we make a meal out of movies. I am your host, Tebbs, and every episode a guest and I will be put together a menu of movies from a particular genre, icon or era for your listening pleasure. Here with me today is one of my oldest friends, my brother from another mother. It's Cormac. How are you doing today, Corm? Absolutely fine. And how are you? I'm fine. Lockdown fever is... Uh, finally taking hold of me i think i've just started counting how many ceiling tiles i've got in the back bedroom so <laughs> i'm ready uh, i'm ready to escape how about you
1: how are you getting on with lockdown and uh uh yeah uh it's going uh obviously the the family and us. Are, we're, we're just trying to not make everybody sound mad um but yeah no it's going fine um uh, Getting through it by watching a lot of really bad movies. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to that one in a minute. But so I said you're one of my
0: oldest friends. So we met. Was it 2002 when we went to university? 2002, 2003. Yeah, it was around that time. I think those. I think we both know that those uh, those days all merged into one. It was kind of vague back in that back in those times. But uh, consider, no, consider
1: consider considering. I thought that your last name was Bradford for about four years. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm actually from uh, Yorkshire, so what normally happens is somebody knows one town in Yorkshire and they just associate you with that place for the rest. Similar to you being from Northern Ireland, I think uh, I think straight away everybody asks whether you've been to one place or another and uh, you, I think you got sick of it by the end of the first year, didn't you?
1: Yeah, is is that close to Dublin? Uh, no, it's nowhere near <laughs> Dublin. But everywhere in Ireland is a stone's throw away from each other. No, no, no they're not. No, no, no. Do you live on the Giant's Causeway?
0: No. no have you don't. ever
1: seen a le- Have you ever seen a leprechaun? <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: <you> know,
0: <laughs> We've got four of them. We've got four of them coming down the street now. And we, <laughs> and we were doing uh, film and creative writing joint honours together. And I well, think
1: that's, you 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 were doing it. <laughs> I was attending. I, <laughs> I you. You attended. and I spent most of my time in in local bars.
0: (laughs) And I think I came and met you afterwards with a carry bag full of books, and we ended up... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And we ended up sat in the the club till three in the morning. But uh, yeah, so just to quickly um, get an
1: idea about you then, um, quick three questions, what's your favourite film? Oh, um, it's hard to say, but the one I've watched the most and probably admire the most is LA Confidential.
0: Okay, Uh, your favourite genre? Mm. I do like to laugh, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I do enjoy a guffaw.
1: I do enjoy a giggle.
0: And uh, who's your favourite actor? Current? All time. Oh, Jimmy Stewart. Nice, nice. Uh, I've got to say, favourite film for me would be... Uh, Donny Darko, absolutely love that. Um, my favourite genre is superhero genre. Oh, no, up. Martin Scorsese hates you. <laughs> he does. He sent me. I got his letter last week. He absolutely despises me now because I've said that. He says you're making a mockery of the whole uh, the whole industry.
1: So <laughs> fuck you, Paul. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, sorry, no. sorry, Marty. Sorry, Marty. Sorry.
0: Just throwing stones at my house all night while Matt is stood in the, <laughs> in the street. You're a fucking prick. Um, and my favourite actor, uh, Jack Nicholson. I think it's got to okay. be Jack. Got to be Jack for me. But no, I'm going to ask everybody those three and just give an idea of what it's so. Okay, well, look, in each episode, we'll put together a four-course cinematic tasting sensation with one common theme. Um, there will be a starter or an appetizer, a film which you think is a great introduction to the category. A fish course, this might be of the aquatic variety or something you think stinks like a week old trout. Um, the main course, which is your star of the show, the movie that you think is the best of the best. And then the pudding or the dessert, this is your indulgence, uh, what is sweet and comforting for, for you. Um, over the past week, before this first episode recorded, we did a Twitter poll, as we'll be doing for nearly every episode. And this week is 80s movies, so, Cormac, you've got your fill of 80s for this week. You all ready to go ahead? A hundred and ten percent, Paul. I like that. So let's relax, pour yourself a drink, and enjoy.
2: Mon cher, mademoiselle,
1: it is with deepest pride and greatest pleasure that we proudly present your dinner.
0: Okay, so for uh, an appetizer, to start us off with 80s films, I'd like to present to you, Cormac, a nice, a nice course of Labyrinth, starring David Bowie. 1986, Jim Henson work. Um, I think it's, if anybody has ever said I've never seen a film, show me something that encompasses 80s cinema.
1: What better than puppets, glam rock and wigs? What have you well, got? Uh, well, for, for, for me, uh, you've got to think of 80s. You've got to think no further than John Hughes. Um, you know, a, a lot of the stalwarts of the 80s Even through the 90s uh, He brought up a lot of people Teenagers in America, teenagers over here You know, probably like yourself um, I grew up in a small town In, in Tyrone, in, in Ireland um, You know, the only thing that we had was was a TV um, And, you know, when we found movies that we really loved uh, It meant something uh, First Bueller, uh, Day Off was probably you know one of the pinnacle for me eighties uh, growing up movies of all time. I've got that. I watched. I've watched.
0: I've watched all of, uh, all of these films as well leading up to this, and I watched Ferris Bueller for the first time the other night. Um, and I, and I got that. The, there seems to be a general theme of all these sort of teen teen uh, rites of passage films that went through the eighties that this sort of new. Uh, New style, aren't they? And you know, there were a lot that stood out for me in Ferris Bueller. The thing that's always put me off watching it is I watched The Breakfast Club about ten years ago. Uh,
1: You see, you see, I and I understand. I understand it's because I think one of the main problems of rewatching movies from the from me, I had obviously rewatched Ferris Bueller, and he fucking annoyed the head out of me. Oh God, yeah. You know, as a human being, he is horrible. He's a prick. I just, I hate him. I, I, I... <laughs> I was trying to be
0: restrained but I'll tell you what, I've got a list here I was writing down the words that I was feeling when I was watching him <laughs> dick, smug, dangerous uncaring, selfish uh... oh and he's racist he's racist to the garage mechanic and yeah. I could not find anything to love about him Cameron oh. on the other hand I got I got that story. I'd like to
1: spend a day with him. Well, you see, watching these now, like, I wasn't critiquing them. I wasn't looking at them, looking for flaws or, or, or you know, or things like that there or, you know, analysing stuff. But you start looking at the characters themselves. You know, Cameron, you touch on Cameron. Do you get the feeling that he's been abused by his father? I get the feeling he gets abused by everybody. Mmm, but, Wow. <laughs> Like yeah, absolutely, it is. I think, uh,
0: yeah, I was watching, I, I, not 100%. I was watching that, and Cameron is this um, damaged, mm-hmm. uh, sensitive guy whose friend, at his lowest point, decides to steal his dad's Ferrari, and he says, so "What?" <laughs> and I, I'm just looking like, is this a hero of this film? I couldn't get my head around it. But look, I get, I get. With Ferris Bureau, I get how it can be one of these movies of the time, but I was not a, a teenager at that time. And watching it now through that, bar- that's probably what's uh, what's putting it on for me now. And you mentioned characters there. I mean, every uh, I want to pick up on for every uh, for every hero, there's always an antagonist in the film. Uh, and this one, we've got Jeffrey Jones, hey! who spends all of his time um, scouting for a young boy. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not saying life of a tits hat. <laughs> no, no did uh, he get
1: them to pose for any photography.
0: No, I don't think he did. They were unsubstantiated. Or he was pleaded not guilty or whatever to do over there. But no, like, it, I haven't seen anything with him, and I never watched Deadwood. But I haven't seen anything. So every time you see somebody now, you just think, "What are you doing hiring this monster?" Uh, yeah. But it's actually 20 years before it even happened. But yeah. so, what about the music then? Because I always take the music as
1: something about an era. What uh, do you take much from um, that? Uh, see, there wasn't that much noticeable music throughout the movie. There was the odd trope of the you know M- Mbopo music, you know the, that kind of eighties music at the end, and there was the the Smiths, you know, please play, yeah. you know that was kind of through, it, But most of it was kind of orchestral. I thought it actually it worked pretty well. The the whole museum kind of piece, you know. I thought that, that that part was probably put together very, very well. You yeah. know, showing cameras at Cameron's isolation. You know, he's what looking at the photograph. You know, showing you know Ferris Bueller again being carefree. He's going to go away with anybody, hold their hand. You know, <laughs> like the child that you know that just runs away.
0: Um, it's also the classic,
1: uh, the classic. Oh
0: yeah, by Yellow, where it comes. To everybody, nobody knows it when you say by Yellow, but when you go, boom, mm. boom. Yeah, and I think that's. I think that was used in about another thousand films for, for the next ten years after this. Of but, course. Uh,
1: and what do you? So having a look at else, what? Uh, well, I think like. I I, I I watched the movie. Like I didn't really write down. First, Bueller was the one movie that I didn't really write down that much about, because ostensibly I think it's a good movie, you know, but. Uh, there's a few things that I wrote down, and I th- like it just my my musings on the film. My first one was, yep. wasn't it? Wasn't it great to see Matthew Broderick happy? <laughs> wasn't it? Oh yeah. Well, like he yeah. just comes ac- he just comes across as a guy who's just perpetually depressed. Is had a rough time of it? Well, you know, self made. You know, when and Marion Sarah Jessica Parker. You can't, you know, she was a good looking girl back in the day. You know what happened with Matthew Broderick in Ireland, don't you? Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. But, so, but you know, but, you maybe know. things weigh heavily on your shoulders, but it managed, it managed to break out again with Godzilla. Well, well there you
1: go, Paul. He's not a very <laughs> good actor if he can't get it off his chest. <laughs> so, you know? But yeah, the first thing I took from to the movie was, you know, it was great to see Matthew Broderick happy. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> his parents are super dumb. Oh you god, know, yeah! Beyond the pale in stupidity, you know, like to the point where he says things to their faces, yes. to his to his sister, and they still don't pick up on it. His father looks him in the eyes at least three
0: times during that day. <laughs> <laughs> Does not recognize his own son running next to his vehicle. <laughs> The one that took for me where the, she stood outside his sister. Oh, no, it's his girlfriend, Sloan. She's um, stood with Geoffrey Jones outside. And the dad pulls up and it's, uh, it, it's Ferris in the big the big trench coat and hat. And uh, she goes up to him and gives her a big kiss. Hi, Daddy, And he just yeah. goes, oh, that's some strange family. And you just think, different time back in the 80s, was <laughs> it? <is?" laughs> Imagine that joke today. Imagine that joke today of a head teacher who sat and watched one of his students go and get Molested by a dad, and he's just gone. That must be a different
1: way they live. Well, you know, it was Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> it was Jeffrey Jones. He had a much lower moral compass than. Exactly. You know, he, he was. He wasn't even acting in that bit.
0: So labyrinth, then. You seen labyrinth. it? You enjoyed it?
1: You loved it? You got a dream right. about it. Right. So, I have a few problems with labyrinth. How dare right. you? no, 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 no. Play nice. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's a great movie. Ev- everything everything in the movie is fantastic. But for me, Jennifer Connolly is just otherworldly psychologically damaged.
0: You know, this is the only time you can use the Jennifer Connolly argument if you mention her again in any other films. She's always like that, dude.
1: No, no. It's 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 like. So this is this is what I garnered from, from Labyrinth, right? So I take it you mean the the character? No, I mean everything, the whole movie, <laughs> because <the> whole, <laughs> like Labyrinth is all in her head. Labyrinth doesn't ex- doesn't exist, you know. You see it from the shots coming into her room when she goes in yeah. there. You know the the Labyrinth puzzle book and the maze and all the puppets that are on her bed and the pictures of Bowie on her, you know, on her vanity mirror and you know all this stuff. So, Labyrinth doesn't exist, it only exists in her head Yeah? Yep So, she has trapped Bowie in her head (laughs) (laughs) She is fantasising about David Bowie, fantasising about her (laughs) That's mental
0: You know what, I I love talking about these films with you Because you just open it up to something on an entire level But yeah, you're absolutely right you're absolutely right. And that is, is something about going inside her head in this magical kingdom, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but for me, David Bowie makes this film. Of if, course. I don't know who else was due to be in it, but if, if this had been anybody else but Bowie, we wouldn't
1: have been talking about this now. I think I, think I read somewhere once that Michael Jackson was the second choice. Oh, Christ. And, and one of the reasons why he wasn't uh, chosen for it was because he wanted a lot more of his own music in it. So, like, one of my main gripes about *Labyrinth* was there wasn't enough Bowie music. You know, there's was, a few. Ty- there was a few numbers. You know, you could you could maybe say that it's kind of a musical, obviously, because there's a there's a few Bowie numbers. Um, yeah, I would not
0: say I won't say it's a, a musical. I won't put it. As
1: yeah, a musical. see, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it as a musical either because there's only like what three, maybe four music numbers in it. But that again, that's one of the things for me. I, I, I felt I thought there could have been a lot more. But you know, the yeah. the main the main thing that I took away from *Labyrinth* was that you have to imagine that all this is in this girl's head. So she imagines the Goblin King comes and takes her brother away. Now to make it she even asks. worse, she yeah. asks him to take it away. Okay, yeah. okay. No, yeah. to put it to put it into a better context, right? She's still in that house. She's supposed she, to be looking after just, her brother. She's, she's just, just sat in a castle state. A, she's walking around the house like a maniac. What kind of magic spells do do? No, that's her.
2: She's rook she's,
1: she's rope dance. Magic dance. She's, she's rope that.
2: <laughs> but you know, lo-
1: that,
0: <laughs> as a as a film though, let's put aside the. Traumatic mental issues, psychologically me.
1: damaging. Oh, yeah, okay.
0: Right. I think there's no, and there's definitely probably something there about a, a teenage girl's rights of passage that passage that me and you are just not educated enough to talk about. But what well, we yeah, are, yeah, what we can talk about though is puppets. You know what? what? I wrote down. I think I'd had a couple of drinks when I watched this. Actors with puppets. Bowie in Labyrinth. Michael Caine in Muppets Christmas Carol. Can you think of anyone else, any other actors that have turned in a top performance when hmm. the majority of the cast are puppets? That, that's
1: a very good question. I can't, I'm stop to th- I'm try- I can't think of
0: one. No, nah, I don't like to Google stuff like that because I try to wrap my brains, but I can't think of anything else.
1: But I, well, you know what I mean. Those, something, those... something. I know you're talking about puppets. So this is one fact that I, I, I tried to stay away from Google and googling facts about the movie. But one, I get, I read a few things about *Labyrinth*, and one of the most funny things that I read was that David Boyd kept getting put off by the fact that the sounds weren't coming from the puppets' mouths. <laughs> so they kept having to do the scene like twice or three times because obviously the puppeteer was was talking but the the sound wasn't coming from the mouth of the puppet.
0: Uh, Cut, cut, David. Yeah. (laughs) What's going on? There's a man under here singing. (laughs) He's over here. (laughs) (laughs) David. Can you get me more crystal balls? Um, (laughs) No, I love this film. I love Jim Henson. I love David Bowie. I mean, I think what you said earlier tops it off. You can never have enough Bowie. Um, But no, I I think Ferris Bueller, you know, for as much as I was watching it, through um, old cynical eyes uh, that was a cracking film and I'm uh, I'm actually glad you introduced me to that one so thank you very much
1: hey you're welcome and thank you for letting me watch Labyrinth again <laughs> I will allow we're not this. gonna we're not we're, we're not we're not gonna talk about David Bowie's codpiece or the fact that was, he, has, a, I've he got... has veins in his leggings he had veins in his leggings Paul I've
0: got David Bowie's codpiece written down and I didn't want to mention that so I'm not gonna mention that
1: one right okay that's All right.
0: Um, I'm trying
1: yeah, the co-pilot had fish. What did the navigator
0: have? He had fish. All right. Now we know what we're up against. The fish course. The course which, you can take it both ways to be honest, I've, I've kind of tried to leave it a little bit open. You may want to serve something of the aquatic variety, uh, the mammal, the, the beautiful duck soup or whatever it may be. Or you might consider fish to be something that is stinking and rotten and does it deserve to be on the table. In terms of 80s movies, Cormac, what are you bringing for the fish course?
1: Well, a classic ball. It is Superman 4, the quest for peace. Oh, dear God. Man, like, I haven't seen... Well, I'll be honest with you. It's been a while since I've seen it. And the, 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 the one good thing about Superman Quest Piece is it's only an hour and 21 minutes long. So if you want to watch a really bad movie and you don't want to take up too much time, an hour and 21 minutes, it can't be that bad. But you that's really what...
0: feel every single one of those. <laughs>
1: that's, what I, that's what I thought going in. <laughs>
0: every single one of those minutes. It feels like torture. It i, I... I mean, we are right. Christopher Reeves, he had a large, large part of the story, story writing process of this, didn't he?
1: Yeah. Well, obviously, Christopher Reeves wanted to make an anti nuclear weapon movie or, anti, you know, envir- or an environmental movie. Um, but wow. Um, this is the one that I wrote the most about. And like I was looking through my notes, and this sums up what I thought about the movie. I haven't watched it as an adult, rather than watching it when I was eight on ITV on a Saturday afternoon. This is one yeah. of the things I wrote. This movie is that bad, I've started to get help, or heart palpitations worrying about the stuntmen. <laughs> you don't have to worry, because half of the special effects were reused from Superman 3. No, I, I, I get it. Get, I get it, but it it's that low budget. Like the the scene oh, yeah. where the scene where Superman and uh, Nuclear Man have the fight in downtown Metropolis, and you know he's trying to find um, your woman Hemingway, um, and Superman stands at the door. You can't have her, and he was like, "Ah, oh, well, I yep. will hurt people." And then he starts shooting things. Like yep. some some of those stunts when the cars are flying up, there's people falling out of the back of the cars. Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, all right. You know, like, the, it's a bad movie, but I, I'm, I'm worried that they don't have enough to, <laughs> money to, to budget for correctly safety equipment. You know, a lot of that was filmed in Milton Keynes. I, do you know fall, what? Yeah. To I, go to New York. I've, re- I've read that and it was, it was super strange, uh, but they gave it like, I, I, I kind of look past that whole kind of thing of, like, I know that it was filmed in, and a lot of it was filmed in London as well. And, you know, uh, like the tube was used rather than the New York subway. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'll be honest, I didn't notice all that, but it 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 was literally just that the story just did not link up at all.
2: None nothing
1: it Nothing linked up. And, you know, you can forgive some movies, you can forgive some low budget movies, you know, obviously it's, it's canon. So canon, you know, very low budget, you know, they'll give you, they'll give you, I'll give you 30 million to make this three months into film and they'll go, wow, well, we have to take 20 million off that. So now you've got 10 million. You know, like, well, um, <laughs> okay. But it just seemed that, for instance, Nuclear Man. Okay. Yeah. So there's no explanation as to how he can hurt Superman. Nothing. There's no explanation of it whatsoever. But when he finally bests Superman, scratches him in the neck, and does whatever, gets nuclear dust in his in his cuts, I, I yeah. don't know what the what the hell that was about. He then shows up back to Lex Luthor, and then sees the front of the newspaper, and sees Mariel Hemingway, and's like, "Whoa, I want that!" And then he flies to find her. You know, but it's just, yeah. I, but there's just I've no context a... of it whatsoever.
0: Nuclear Man, he can grow his fingernails, can shoot lightning, and he's afraid of shadows. He can't yeah. go anywhere where there's darkness, and that is just yeah. absolutely insane. In terms of Superman powers, um, to be honest, there's quite a lot of here that uh, I didn't, I, I wasn't familiar with from the comics. To be honest, um, I take it he could always speak fluent Russian and Italian. He was always quite clued up on well, multilingual. I, I'm,
1: so, I'm so glad you said that because. They introduced so many extra new powers that Superman had.
0: Yep, you we've know. got. Um, he can pass his flight powers on to somebody else now and let go of it. Yep. Um, tech- got- I'm, I'm gonna.
1: Te- I'm gonna tick these as you say them. Yeah,
0: yep. telekinesis. it lets the doorbell go and uh, clack. Yeah, it, the uh, doorbell.
1: Yeah, of Can't course ring he can rebuild.
0: <laughs> Telekinesis rebuilding the channel, <laughs> and he's got his raw hypnol kiss as well. The old memory wipe yep. kiss, mind mind off.
1: wiping. Yeah, how many yep. times she's
0: been done more times than that bugger got done in Men in Black with that <laughs> memory zapper. <laughs>
1: Honest
0: to God, what? she's been she's had a mind wipe. God knows how many times. What what? Honest,
1: There's a new one. There's just, another new one at the start. There's another new one at the start. He can now make things invisible. What was that? At the start, where he picks up the last piece of Krypton. Okay. And yeah, and the and the guy comes, the sheriff comes, who steals his baseball mitt. By the way, uh, oh, he takes it, and walks up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, <laughs> um, he makes that wee ground invisible instead of just closing it up.
0: Well, I will tell you what, I want to give. the did um, the did fall down? There's one thing I've got to say. Here. In terms of media bias and distorting <laughs> and fake news, this finger has got its. This film has got its finger right on the pulse of America 20 years too early, honest to God, yeah. in, in terms of the narrative. But that is also a story. In this, in this film, we have uh, the farm getting sold storyline. We've got the m- media bias. We've got Miss Warfield, who's spreading it on a plate mm-hmm. for Clark Kent as soon as it comes in. By yep. the way, she can survive in space. I think there's a sequel or a spin off.
1: Hey, what the <laughs> hell was that about? She-
0: she went a, a long way. She was practically on the moon. She was her feet were skimming the moon, and then she, nope, we've got to take you back down now. You might you might not be able to breathe soon. Um, two other ones that I want to put leave with you quick: uh, giant bomb net. Yeah.
1: Where? <laughs> well,
2: I see. Where I does have the world
1: of... keep its giant space bomb net?
2: Well, <laughs> I gonna, For all these
1: like things. my my whole kind of thing of the nuclear weapon thing, right? and I know we've got short time and there's like, th- I have three pages of notes written on this movie. Um, like nu- he has decided now that he wants to take the nuclear weapons away. That's it. You're not having any more nuclear weapons. Yep. super. So, so,
0: decided, so.
1: so it, his plan is for every country that has nuclear weapons is to tell them to fire them into space so he can catch them in a net and throw it into the sun. Problem. That, that's, the, that's the that's the plan. <laughs> that, that's this is after plan. he just now,
0: walks into the UN.
1: Yeah, but like, uh, come with me, Billy or Bobby or Johnny or whatever. Like, um, to come like to come to come to the UN with me. I have yeah, I have, I have decided. Yeah, I have decided that I am the overlord now, and that all this crap on the new on the news about America and and Russia not being able to, you know, get their nuclear treaties and blah 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 blah. I've decided now that I'm just going to take them all and everybody's just going to be happy about it. Well,
0: you know, because he obviously wrote a lot of the story and him and Margot Kid didn't get get on through all the four of these films. Apparently they were on Hmm. and off with each other. Have you ever heard the interview with Jack O'Halloran? Yes. You've heard that with um, How Did This Get Made? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Look, if you haven't heard that, find the How Did This Get Made podcast. Look for the extra interview with Jack O'Halloran. Uh, he played none in the Superman 2 from 19-whatever-it-was. And he tells you some fantastic stories about how difficult it was to work with Christopher Reeves. But a lot of the guys, uh, he's a trained thespian, apparently. So
1: <laughs> can, I, can I just say one other thing? A, a comment that Superman makes? Please. I am forbidden to interfere. He says that. I am forbidden to interfere. What the fuck has he been doing for the first three movies? But interfere. He interfered like in everything.
0: Right, right, at the end of Superman one, where he reverses time. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about that one, where he interferes by you know, what was it in the second one? He, he oh no, he definitely it, took he out. He, three. But he took out some some terrorist or whatever. Oh, he, he's interfering everything. Like, Look, are we talking about consistency? No, but as a film, Christ, it was terrible. And well, well, I'm on... gonna
1: I'm gonna say something controversial. Go ahead. I think I think, well, maybe it's a question. Do you think that if they added an extra 25 minutes, that they could have filled the plot holes and made it a, a coherent movie? No, really, I think oh, they no. could have. I think 25 if added, minutes. No, no, 20, yeah, 25 minutes. Plug the plot it. holes. You need. It. I mean.
0: There's the Lacey, what, what were her name, Lacey Warfield, the daughter of the editor, the daughter of... Yeah, Mar-
1: the Mario Mar- Hemingway, Clark, yeah, yeah.
0: There. there was probably another 45 minutes of love plot between them two. There's all sorts cut out of that one. Suddenly they're going on a double date together with Superman and Clark Kent and he's play, playing silly buggers and zipping back and forth. I just, it was an absolute mess. I, th- I remember this as a kid. that I watched it and the ending was Superman going into the UN and throwing away all the bombs because Nuclear Man was shown to be the possibility. I can't remember what it was because it's been that long since I watched it. And this Mm -hmm. happened after about 20 minutes. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm trying to weep around it thinking I've fallen asleep somewhere. It's a mess of a film. Um, The one I want to put forward to you... Now, this is a little delicacy from 1986 called Howard the Duck. Mm -hmm. Now, some people don't like this film and those people would would be right because it is absolute travesty in terms of making a film i think superman 4 is poorly made compared to howard the duck at least howard the duck has got some kind of consistent story but my god what were they smoking when they made this film
1: Uh, listen i i I was texting you whilst i was watching it and it is an hour and 51 minutes that I will never get back. No. It it was atrocious. There were there were scenes that lasted 10 to 15 minutes. You know, the uh, going a wee bit further into the movie. Obviously the, the Tim Robbins and Howard the duck are, are, are trying to find Jeffrey Jones again. I think we've got a wee bit of a thing for Jeffrey Jones. Um he's trying to find Caroline <laughs> in the city. Yeah, yeah. well <laughs> he's trying <laughs> to the, find well, Caroline the end in the city they end up on a micro light plane at one yeah. point. That scene lasted 12 minutes. But, you
0: know, in terms of this film just being stinking a fish rotten, this is the fish. This is stinking. You well, know what? Yeah. It, I'll tell you, in the first, I think it's 30 minutes. Okay? This is a PG film. This is PG. I think it's still PG over here now. We had Duck Tits. Duck tits. Play, duck, play Duck Centerfold. Yep. Potential bestiality. Yep. And Howard the Dog got a job in a sex
1: sex club. And this is a, this is a and, kid's film. And she picked out an open condom from his wallet. Oh, yeah. What I, the fuck?
0: That for me that is not a f- Watching it back, and I remember this stuff from being a kid. I remember these bits happened, but thought they might, must have been really funny or whatever. And they just watch it back now, but it—the film is set out as a kids' family romp—and then you—you've got a feeling they should have just thrown in a load of swear and a bit more violence and made it at fifteen, and really go for it. Because I think the comics are quite risque out not they? They're quite near, you know, they're quite near the knuckle, a bit more adult than
1: yeah. the normal stuff. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you're I more, mean,
0: you're more into comics than I am.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I've read a lot of the hard Duck comics just because you know it's marvel and i wanted to see what it is um Howard the duck's main kind of uh, plot points in in marvel is to go into other people's kind of universes He have he has these wee stories and stuff um he he is a master of quack foo um at at, at one point as well you know him and stephen strange have done like a few things um (laughs) yeah uh, but i mean my 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 first obvious impression of this movie was i, I was ex- like I, 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 my, well my first thought was how and and what capacity is George lucas attached to this you know it, oh
0: yeah i mean it's a lot of money there was a lot of money in this i've i've read some ages ago that it built um it's like mortgage skywalker ranch against yeah, this film yeah. or something like that it was and you just think after... This was 86, so this was three years after Return of the Jedi. So it mm. so he shouldn't have been... Maybe he didn't have all the best ideas he's ever had, but it was just... It's, this is just a... a woefully oh, It makes me cringe thinking about... The sushi restaurant, the go-to. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The sushi restaurant, where, of course, every member of staff is wearing a bandana and wants to cook and eat the duck. But... The special is fried eggs, just for a joke about cooking chickens in front of a duck. I mean, the Tim Robbins in this. I mean, it was towards the start of his career. This was before Jacob's Ladder. Well, see, um,
1: th- th- I looked into that as well. I looked into that as well because I, I needed to know if this was after Top Gun, because yes. that's 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 kind of where you know, where I kind of put Tim Robbins kind of started. You know, Top Gun was kind of his first big movie, I think. And I think I, it was, a,
0: yeah. I know I it was around think, that time, but Top Gun was 85, I think.
1: But he must have been filming these two movies back to back. Oh, imagine that. And like, imagine, and, you know. going into one from the other. You but like, know, you know, you know. Yeah, but you know, ex- <laughs> you know exactly how that movie was sold to him. George Lucas has attached it. Yep. Oh, and man. you know. And you can see all the character, all them, like, 80s, early 90s character actors that were in every single 80s and early 90s movie. They're all in Howard the Duck. And exactly that's how they were sold it as well. And even, like, Leah Thompson, I'll keep calling her Caroline in the city because that's just who she is to me. Um, <laughs> you know, like, she had just come off the back of Back to the Future in this movie. Like, did any of these people actually read the fucking script? Because it, it just... Did. And they got told it's George Lucas. It's going to be and the new the, Star Wars. Uh, spe- Special effects and yada, yada, yeah. yada. But but my word, it, it, like, it, it is, the script is so light. It is ridiculously light. And something else that, that I did, I did look this up because I was kind of curious. Because I thought to myself, who, who, who wrote this? Like, who wrote this movie? Because I, 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 it, it didn't make any sense. So it was a guy called Willard Hoyke, right? Yeah. Now, he was a script doctor on Star Wars. He helped write it, em- he he helped he, fix that he, script. Yeah. He, he he co-wrote American Graffiti. And he also wrote Temple of Doom. Right?
0: And then so, he brings out hired. and then he comes out with Howard the Duck.
1: Before Hired the Duck, he wrote eight movies. After Hired the Duck, he wrote three.
0: I'm just, there was something I read about the director as well, what was, oh, same director, he's never directed anything since, No, nope. I actually looked it up to see if he'd done anything since, he's directed nope. four films, a um, couple of bits in the 70s, one best defense in 84 and then this, man, it's just, the duck destroyed the man's career.
1: Well, but I'm, like even like I'll, maybe a wee bit later on, I'll go into budgets and stuff with you, um, because I want to try and play a little bit of a game with you on budgets and how much was made off each of the movies that we're going to talk about. Okay, right. So, a um, couple of
0: bits more. I just want to tell you about how the duck, and then we'll move on to the main course. But just the winner of four Razzies. I don't know mm-hmm. if uh, Superman Four got any, but four Razzies for this, including one for Best New Star, which is which included the six people that it took to make the suit work. quick quiz question I don't know if you read upon it yourself Who, one of those people in that suit or worked on that suit starred in one of our favourite films Mm. his name was Jordan Prentice okay if I was to say in Bruges really yep Jordan Prentice he was about I think he was about 10 or something, and I was looking on IMDb. Whoa, oh, so whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa,
0: He was a child? He was at one point, yes.
1: No, no. Oh, Jesus, that sounded bad, but... Yeah.
0: <laughs> he wasn't just grown as a yeah apple, I, more I, fail. Yeah, yeah, we are talking exactly. about the same person. We are talking about the right person.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. he... In the scene where Leah Thompson is seducing her, the doctor's potentially a child in that suit? Possibly, yeah. Wow. Poss-
0: Got yeah. to
1: see the director's cut to that.
0: <laughs> but it was the first time I watched it the other night when I actually noticed she was she was doing it with a little bit of a teasing attitude.
1: Oh, yeah. And I oh, was, uh, well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm tell you something. I, was aris- I was aroused. Yeah,
0: if I was that duck, all my feathers would be
1: springing I was ar- to attention. I, I was, she I knew was what aroused. she was doing.
0: She yeah, knew what me- was she was doing.
1: Leah Thompson is, is a good-looking lady and still is a good-looking lady. I have a lot of love for Caroline dial that bridge out, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cormac is also selling copies of Caroline the City DVD out the back of his car. Right X, the show.
1: X, 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 right? <laughs> It's, just literally, looking it's literally just me dressed as Caroline from the City. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. but no uh, and another quick one I read this story on IMDB and I don't know if you read this one or not but I love stories like this apparently when Universal test screened this film Howard the Duck Sid Sheinberg and Frank Price two of the executives actually got into a fist fight in the corridor <laughs> arguing who should take responsibility for green light in that film you know what it comes to something don't you? when you're at work and yet yeah, you're at work and you have a row with somebody you might storm off in a huff. You might send a snotty email. I don't know at what point how bad a film has to be for you to get in a fight with a colleague over whose responsibility it is, but... Nah, do, you know that can... my,
1: do you know what my question is? What's your question? Why, why didn't they have that fistfight during the movie? While <laughs> <laughs> well, it was being made. Well, none of it made any sense anyway. So, uh, like, I, sometimes sometimes you look at movies and go... How how did this get past the test screening? How, how did they look at this and go? Well, maybe this, maybe that. Obviously, this was the finished product. Maybe this was the most coherent version of the fucking of the film. I, well, I'd hate to see the first version.
0: Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like,
1: well, holy god! Like, you know w- w- what would it have had to look like? You know, like, and you, it it just stinks. The whole movie stinks. Of George Lucas is involved. There you go. That's it. Hmm. This is a
0: tasty burger. Main course, the star of the show, the film that you think is the best of the best, the creme de month, the superstar of all the 80s cinema that is out there, Cormac. What have you got for my consumption?
1: There is only one greatest movie of the 80s. Well, there's two. See, if, if, you're not set,
0: if you're not setting up Highlander right now, people are going to be really disappointed.
1: Who wants to live? That's brilliant. Um, if, if I switch it, so let's start recording again. Just, I, do you want me just to sing the soundtrack, Highlander?
0: Because I could.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? This is really... Go on, what have you really picked? My movie is Rambo First Blood. Rambo First Blood. It was... Uh, yeah obviously you know it was based on my life um you know me and rambo have a lot in common you know we've both been vagrants uh both of us you know you've both been showered and deloused by the local police authorities we've we've both been beaten up by brian denny uh you know him obviously physically me through fx2 Um, but (laughs) Uh, obviously, rest in peace, Brian Dennehy. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, no. But you know what? My brother sent me a text message about Brian Dennehy dying, and it was one of those ones where, uh, like, this is a a cutback. Me and my brother love FX two, The Art of Illusion, with Brian Brown and Brian Dennehy, right? It was Brian Brown. Yeah, it was one of those movies that me and my brother got to watch when my mother was in the hospital and my father was looking after us, (laughs) and he didn't really give a shit, so he (laughs) decided to watch.
0: Was that his one VHS that he had on the shelf along with no, I, 101 I, top goals of the 80s <laughs> from the Sun?
1: I think it was because we went to, this, we went to the, the video shop and it was just me and Ronan just used to spend our time in the video shop. And it got to the point where the guy in the video shop was giving us videos, you know, nothing oh. untoward. Nothing untoward, and there hey, was never. Don't yeah. record them for boys to bring them back. <laughs> there was never Polaroids in the box, Paul. All right, that's just that's just not there. Um, but uh, but yeah, so you know, we me and my brother had a lot of love for Brian Dennehy, and you know, obviously him being in Rambo is is, is another just just a happy coincidence uh, of our life. But you know, He's obviously awesome. Rambo, yeah, Rambo yeah. Is, is it's it, you know everybody kind of forgets. You know, everyone just thinks of Rambo as the gun-toting maniac. You know, supporting the Taliban you know, shooting up everybody that, that's around. But everyone forgets the actual story to the first Rambo. You know, he's back from Vietnam. You know, that whole kind of uh, political kind of, st- uh, you know, spites happening between veterans and the people and, you know, the American government. And, you know, there's the, the lost generation. And, you know, he's a nomad and he's walking through a town and he just wants to get, you know, walk around for God's sake. And then the police hassle him, you know. He, and, and, and the, you're getting angry just as you talk about it. Ah, I'm shaking the washing machine. <laughs> Put the washing machine down.
0: Oh, Carmack's from watching Rambo again.
1: We're
0: all getting sidetracked. The um... no, I was I was watching this and I just thought it's a it's a great example of an eighties movie because. For me, I'm being boring about film studies and there. But when you watch a film, it's what encompasses the time. Very Bueller's day off was very much mid eighties, yuppies, Ferraris, blah blah blah. This is very something that the Vietnam War ended what mid seventy five, and this came out in eighty two, so it's still very raw for a lot of people. Um, I, I love little either foreshadowing or little uh, little bits that are put into films. Welcome to Hope the sign that was on the the town when he first arrived. Mm-hmm. And that for me is and that that comes on just as the police is coming to take him away again. And I love little bits like that. Um have you have you seen Joker yet? Yes I have yeah. The sign at the beginning is so my friend Johnny told me noticed this for me. He's holding the sign at the beginning it says everything must go. And you just think by the end of it, mate, it is gonna so yeah I love little bits of foreshadowing like that. Um Mad Max was pretty much the same as this, you? uh E&T Mad Max. Do you like them?
1: Well, uh, I mean, uh, Mad Max is obviously the, the whole kind of dystopian kind of thing. But, you know, this uh, parent or his, his wife and his kid were murdered by the Outlanders. And, you know, I mean, in uh, a sense, I, uh, the I, first film. I big get big, the comparison big, 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 big. of it. Yeah. But uh, for for me, obviously, Rambo is that. Pleasure that I have. That the good side obviously is that Rambo is on ITV4 every <laughs> third, third Wednesday. You know, it, it's just it's always on, and my missus now is you know her her selective memory now is just to record Rambo when it's on because just to she make sure the yeah because she knows that I'll watch it. You know, any especially First Blood. You know, but with First Blood, you know, it's that whole kind of thing of. He's, he's literally just walking through a town, the cops start harassing him, you know, and it just snaps, you know, he he, he snaps and, you know, obviously, as you were saying, it, it's coming off the back of the Vietnam War and, you know, not as everybody fought in the Vietnam War, but everybody had an opinion and everybody was touched by it. And, you know, it was around that time, you know, obviously, you know, Nixon, you know, getting impeached and, you know, him quitting and it, it everything. It just kind of summed up in one movie for me, and it was Rambo. And I, it, 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 I, I didn't write anything down on Rambo because I know it beat for beat, heart for heart. I know everything about it. I, I, I just think it's a, it's an absolutely phenomenal movie. What would you,
0: I mean, obviously it deprived you of another, three decent films and one piece of shit, but what did you think of the original ending? Have you ever seen the deleted ending? Where? Which one? Uh, Of Rambo First Blood. (laughs) I can't believe I've got, I'm dodging around a spoiler alert on an ending that didn't (laughs) come out 30 years ago. A movie Uh,
1: that was made in 1983.
0: Basically, it begs Troutman to kill him and then he ends up scrabbling with the gun with him and he ends up getting shot and dies, so he almost takes his own life at the end.
1: Yeah, well that's the that's the whole kind of lethal weapon end, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, with lethal weapon, Danny Glover was supposed to die and then it tested so high they went, oh, <laughs> oh this could be a franchise.
0: <laughs> but it is it is this is a story about a guy who's got severe mental issues, he's got PTSD and uh, I mean just
1: And he's sick. not hiding it like Jennifer Connolly.
0: No, he doesn't. Maybe he does, maybe he has, maybe this this town is in his head. And he's still sat on uh, that dusty highway and he's just acting all this out in his own head. Maybe he thinks everybody's... Out. Maybe he's got paranoid schizophrenia, and the police are after him. I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a good film. It's it's, don't get me wrong, it's funny. Did he write this as well? Did someone write this one? I, I don't a screenplay. Think No, I don't I think, think he it's did. It's based off a book, wasn't it? No, yeah, no, a lot of that. Do you, know what, do you know what I loved most about this? And it's it's kind of uh, making a bit of a light out of something some minute go, But Troutman, when he turns up, absolutely fantastic character. Every second thing that somebody says to him, he has to remind him how Rambo could kill them. And the guy's just sort of like, he just says, uh, yeah, there's 20 guys coming in by a helicopter. <laughs> Rambo will kill them all by morning. And you just think, okay, that's good. And then 20 minutes later, the guy goes, I'm just going to nip for a cup of coffee. And then like Troutman just appears as long as Rambo doesn't kill you beforehand. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? so well, He could. It's so on... he like, uh, Troutman, your wife just called. She says uh, she's she put the, the dinner on the table for you. Tell her Rambo could have killed her by the time she's finished. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, we get Would you shut up?
2: <laughs>
0: but look, that's for me. Um, no, Rambo's one of them. I haven't really watched it that much just because I've watched it a lot when I were a kid. Um, I haven't watched it much recently, but I've rewatched it for this. Absolutely fantastic film. No no doubt about it. I mean the others I'd say four I enjoyed a lot. Two was good was very good. Uh the latest one. You seen the latest one? Last blood?
1: Well, me and Rachel likes the first the first uh Rambo. and yeah. um, so I made her, I obviously made her watch it and she's watched the second one and the third one with me. So one night uh the the one that was previously out, I get Rambo when it came out Rambo four, we'll call it. Um, it, the the first couple of minutes when they go into the village and they start killing kids, mm-hmm. she stood up, walked out of the room and went, "Can't do it." And I was like, w- w- "What?" She's like, "No, nope, can't do it." And she just walked out of the room. So, I've I've not seen the latest Rambo. Um, that I've only seen up till the fourth. Um. Yeah, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it his last blood?
0: I don't know because I didn't see it to the end of it. To be totally honest, <laughs> but you can just see where it's going. You know exactly what's going to happen. I guarantee I could sit with you, and if you watch the first twenty minutes, you'll you'll be able to plot beat for beat exactly what's going to happen. And that's not a Rambo Rambo film for me. It's it's not a Rambo film. It's Grizzled old man and whatever, but I once read a, a great pitch for a Rambo. I think it was when Rambo Four was being made, and it was that Rambo was now a, um, like a peacekeeping envoy or something with the UN, and terrorists overtook the UN building and Rambo was in there with him. and all he had was his knife and his wits or something, and I love that idea because it was so much like Die Hard. So and it's just it's just like
1: it's just like a, a like a Jared Butler movie nowadays. It's probably just a Gerard Butler. Like, hey, I
0: tell you what, Angel has fallen. It was that bad, but Gerard Butler's great. But the that's the reason why I remember that I liked that UN idea for the Rambo film is not because it was anything, it was because it was so much right, like Die Hard, which is what I'm serving you for the main cut. Co- Do you like that?
1: Do you like that little I, 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 Oh, I do like that. I did I did want to mention one more thing. How proud oh, I am that the, both of us didn't mention that at the end of Rambo 3, it's said dedicated to the proud fighting men of the Taliban. I'm so happy that we got through that and we didn't <laughs> and, mention that. Oh, I am so <laughs> glad we didn't get I, <laughs> You know, so what? I was
0: worried. I was worried we would mention the third film being dedicated to the proud serving members of the Taliban, but we That's, didn't.
1: We didn't? We didn't mention it? We didn't, it. Yeah, we didn't well mention done. it. We're good.
0: I thought, I mean, I did, did want to get through without mentioning Duck Tits as well, but I, fell, I failed at that one. Um, duck Tits
1: were great. Sorry, go on <laughs> Die Hard. There was no Duck you Tits in Die Hard.
0: For me, it's probably not the first film when you think about a typical 80s film. You know, yes, there are other more typical films that embody the 80s other than Die Hard. But for me, the best film that came out in the 80s was Die Hard. We've all seen it. We're, but you better have done anyway. I... <laughs> <laughs> you sat there in your white vest at the minute but yes. it's for me it's an absolutely fantastic film, launched the career of Alan Rickman, Uh it's a very clever witty script, it encompasses great action film, it uses somebody you can relate to as the action star in Bruce Willis. It was actually at that Great point of his career between sort of eighty eight and ninety three basically where where he was where, yeah
1: where he was likable, don't you dare bring Hudson Hawk into this?
0: I am bringing Hudson Hawk into this don't you
1: dare have. my man don't, don't, don't even fan- try it is a fantastic thing. in fact, should we just do one episode on hudson Hawk a hundred percent i a hundred percent I'm Stay sick and tired. I'm sick and tired I'm sick and tired of people um, listen you know what we'll yep. leave that. We're going to leave, leave that. that.
0: But we, oh, yeah, there you go. There is an upcoming episode in the next couple of weeks. We are going to do episodes of films we are sick and tired of people giving Bad shit. Badmouthing. Bad mouthing besmirching the good name of Hudson Hawk. So, yeah Can, I shout, can I
1: shout another one out there? Please go. Death the Smoochie. Okay, so the reason I chose Die Hard is because <laughs> it's an
0: absolutely fantastic film. Alan Rickman. Story of his life, German, you know, the, the German military movement when he said it was just a heist all along. But put all that to one side. We're going to decide this friendship right now, once and for all. Is no. it a Christmas movie?
1: No, I'm not even no. answering it because it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Because do you know Is why? It? No, it's what? not worth it. Because any, like, the, I've, I've had this argument with people for many a year. Oh, any yeah. movie, any movie that you watch to Christmas is a Christmas movie. It doesn't matter if it's got fucking Santa Claus or it doesn't matter what, if, whatever. If, if you watch it at Christmas, if it reminds you of Christmas is a Christmas movie, simple yep. as that. Yeah. You know, simple as that. You know, I, I personally don't look at Die Hard as a Christmas movie because it wasn't in my Christmas vernacular when I was a kid. Um, you know, now obviously being a father, I see Harry Potter as a Christmas movie because Harry Potter always comes on around November December time, and you get to sit and watch it on TV with the kids and stuff like that. There, but you know, it's it's never really been an argument for me. Yes, there's Christmas elements to the movie. Yeah. Yes, there's there's obviously non Christmas elements to the movie. You know, really when he <laughs> chucks yeah when he chucks a guy down and writes ho ho, ho on him. You know, that, you know that's you know it's, that's one of those arguments that. Irritates
0: me because I know I'm right, but <laughs> 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 ah, you know what? You make a very you, you make a very good point there because I'm trying to bef- I'm trying to phrase it here. It's okay.
1: We'll if you
0: want it to be a Christmas movie, go ahead. In the same way that if you want to follow Labour or Conservatives, go. If you want to be gay, if you want to be straight, go. Just go believe it but you don't need to argue with everybody else to come around to your way of thinking. Just go and do what you want to do. And yeah. All
1: right, yeah. All right fucking Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Get off the box, you. Paul. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is just going to be an hour of us laughing. <laughs> so, Dyad, what... Uh, I take it you've seen all the other ones Then, What would you say yes. is... In fact, no. no, we're going to save that one for another time. Go ahead.
1: What do you... I take it you like the film. I love Die Hard. Yeah. Um, it's one of those movies that, again, uh, growing up, you had to rent them from... from or see them on, on ITV uh, yeah. and have it ridiculously dubbed over. Um, you know, fudge you, you know, <laughs> things, you know, like r- like really badly. Um, obviously, my, the things that I could, when I was rewatching Die Hard, I was trying to pick out things that reminded me why I loved the movie. Um, obviously, Alan Rickman, um, when you think that it's one of his first roles. Um, and, you know, the talent that the man had to be an Englishman, pretending to be a german doing an american accent yeah and i'm sure it's been done before i'm I'm sure it's been done before i'm sure people have done that before it's what acting is i get it i understand that but you know everything about him you know his charisma you know the way that he speaks the way he you know finishes on a sentence you know he he holds the room you know everything, and what you said at the start as well. It's when Willis was at his most likable. You know, before he turned into a cunt. You know that that, that You know, it's it's. But yeah, that's true. Before he started believing in his own ego. You know, there was a few movies that he stepped away from. Funnily enough, I think Die Hard with a Vengeance was another one because I thought that even in Die Hard with a Vengeance, he was quite likable. And I'm, I'll say something yeah, controversial. Yeah. yeah, I I prefer Die Hard with a Vengeance than the first Die Hard. So the first one, wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I prefer it. So, uh, everything about it, I think, is is, is fantastic. Um, but you know, uh, I love the you know, the two FBI agents. It's Johnson and Johnson. Um, Johnson, Johnson. Yeah, no yeah, relation. Yeah, no relation. You know, it's uh, the the cop. I will tell a wee story if 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 you allow me to indulge. now. Go ahead. But, go ahead. <laughs> no, this is <laughs> so. I obviously worked for a, a company. Beforehand, that sold video games. Um, yeah. This this company allowed management and staff to have access to each individual store's Twitter accounts. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out two years ago, yeah. and obviously we tried to promote them on Twitter. You know, but you always try to want to get something funny in, you know. Yeah. So obviously on the anniversary uh, of the Nakatomi Towers attack. Everybody always puts up photographs of the cop that helped John McLean out. Oh, what's, yeah. his
0: what's his name again? It was in uh, one of those TV shows. Yeah, go on. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, Carl. so. Yeah. What did you say? His name's Carl something, wasn't it? Carl? Al. Al. His character in Die Hard. Al. It's just disappeared from me Anyway, sorry, I've broken your rhythm. Damn, carry on.
1: But anyway, anyway. So I posted up a picture of him. Right, And I said, dedicated to the proud fighting men of the military, armed forces, police services, blah, blah, blah. We all hear you. And I thought, <laughs> this is really funny. I didn't look at the whole picture. Right. Uh, and above the picture, it said, Call of Duty Black Cops. Oh, dear. Yeah. no, obviously... I would never nah. have, post, have posted something like that up, nah, and thank nah. and thankfully, obviously somebody seen the tweet and told me, and I was like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" and I was horrified, and I was like, "God, it, you know, it wasn't what I wanted it to be." And I thought it was, I was so proud of myself. I thought it was so funny, um, but yeah. So I nearly got fired doing that. If you work for the BBC, I'm sure you would have been
0: fired. Of course, yeah, but no, it's. <laughs> they don't pay me a damn penny
1: (laughs) this is amazing In designing the ice cream to accumulate into scoops I I don't know how you're going to top this
2: maybe with hot fudge
0: (laughs) now for the the final course of our menu that we're going to be serving to you Uh, this is your indulgence what's your what takes your fancy when it's a, a cold night and you want something nourishing? And maybe other people find it a bit too sweet, a bit too sickly, not to their liking. But for you, you know, it's it's what really whets your appetite. Cormac, what is your dessert?
1: Big Trouble in Little China. The Big John trouble. Carpenter classic. In Little China. Yeah, of course. fantastic. And, yeah, and you know the fact that carpenter did the music uh, to it uh, you know the fact that obviously kurt ross is in it um you know everything about it jack burton uh, you know wang you know even kim Cattrall's in it uh, you know it it everything about the movie for me sums up 80s, childhood everything that 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 was good about movies
0: i'd i'd first seen this um God, probably about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that. And I, it might have been one of those nights after a few beers or something, so I didn't really take it all in. And I watched it probably with, with clean and sober eyes recently. My God, this is fucking insane film. It what, is
1: fantastic. I mean,
0: what a mental ride this film is. And it never once takes itself too seriously. No, no,
1: This never. is
0: just a fantastic roller coaster of... Kung Fu uh, mysticism, fantasy, action. Um, Kurt Russell. I I know this there is isn't, of the
1: There isn't a finer actor on the planet.
0: I don't think there is. After seeing this, in terms of as an action movie star, I, yeah. I don't get me wrong. I don't think he's going to be uh, winning the Palm d'Or or whatever anytime soon. But as as a, a star, you know, who I got feeling of when I'm watching this, John Wayne. Was he trying to get get that across? Do you think, or
1: probably? But yeah, probably a little bit. I mean, there's a,
0: a lot of the gunslinger that's come into town on his rig on his horse, uh, and he's just dropped in the middle of this local feud going on. Um, and he, it just to me is like this was his cowboy film. If it, yeah. I don't know, it's got that feeling.
1: Well, T- Tombstone was his cowboy film.
0: Well, yeah, two, apart from that. And maybe, (laughs) yeah, it's it's probably about another 20. Was he in Wyatt Earp as well? Okay, apart from. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from. (laughs) But this, at the time, this was, you know, I mean, another one I put down here was, this is probably the most Tarantino film that I've seen that wasn't by Quentin Tarantino. If he was to remake this, I really got that feeling that, There's it feels like there's a lot of homages being paid. There's a lot of nods to other kind of cinemas. It kind of got that feel to it that people that Cap into was really enjoying himself and really you know putting all these different techniques and styles and and like say homages to these favorite bits of cinema on the screen as opposed to something. I mean, what do you think?
1: Well, you know, Big Trouble in China annoys me a bit as well because you know it was that movie kind of maybe sunk's not the right word but you know it kind of ended the kind of partnership really between Russell and Carpenter um because it obviously didn't perform that well um mm. you know I, I don't think that people understood it you know it wasn't there to to take itself overtly seriously you know you can see that in you know editing between scenes you know there's oh, a yeah. there's an the end where wang is talking and you know it the 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 kind of fade away is a circle that comes out of his nose you know it, it's, it's just stupid you know stupid wee things like that people just you know i think that it was given a hard rap because everybody just expected it to be this you know out there action star you know people were expecting another thing or people were expecting another um escape from new york You know, people were expecting something dark and gritty from Carpenter and and Russell. And and, and what was produced was a a fun, weird, magic show that I don't think people understood. And, you know, it does does annoy me a bit. You know, the first time we seen it, um, again, was in the house watching it on video. And I, I think me and my brother probably watched it about five times in a row. Yeah. And it was it was just an instant. It was an instant love, you know. And we just needed to know everything about it. We needed to have everything about it, you know. It was the that movie that made me want. To find out other things about Kurt Russell, you know it was the movie that obviously introduced me to to as I said, to things like the thing and and, and, and to escape from New York. Um, I think I even watched it before overboard, and you know that kind of made me watch overboard yeah. you know and
0: I, I, it, I love films like that. I love them where you notice one person in it and you just think, I want to know more about this person. I want to see everything they 've done i 'm going to go hunt them out i 'm going to go find stuff about them this This system like I said when I was watching it, this came across to me as somebody was making a film that really enjoys. Making films and just yeah. wants to do it for the love of it. And Kurt Russell comes across like that. It looks like he's having a hell of a time. It, it just I, looks I, I, like. I, I, I do absolutely- think,
1: though, I do think Kurt Russell has that that way about him every movie that he makes, you know, that he, hell or high water, I'm going to have a good time while I'm doing this movie. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely. I don't think, thinking about now, I mean, there was one I, I made a note earlier about Christopher Reeves in Superman 4, just looked like he was just didn't want to be there. You know, you can just tell sometimes with an actor where they're just dead behind the eyes. And I've never seen Kirk <laughs> in anything. Sky High was probably one of the most fun I had watching him recently. I, I rewatched that. Um, have you ever seen that one? Uh, I
1: watched Is it, it. Sky High? Yeah. Yeah, the Sky High. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Kids who were superheroes or whatever. It's just, yeah. But I, I, I get that feeling of Kurt Russell and everything. I mean, even from, you know, stupid Disney movies, you know, uh, the computer War tennis shoes. And, you know, uh, I, I even enjoyed, the, you know, the Grindhouse stuff that he did. You know, Tarantino and uh, Robert Rodriguez, movie, you know, I, 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 I just it was enjoyed death proof. Yeah. Really, I, really, d- again, didn't take himself too seriously. Yeah, and I think some people, they tend to start thinking about movies too complex. Yeah, some movies are there to be, you know, make you feel smart. But, you know, I enjoy a movie when I can turn my brain off at the door. And, you know, with Big Trouble, for me, there's just a perfect movie that encapsulated that. And I still, every time it's on the TV, I'll still watch it, you know, and it's uh, even when... Me and the missus were having that conversation of, right, okay, our our wee man is getting a wee bit older. You know, let's try and introduce him to some maybe slightly older movies. That was the first movie that I watched with him. Big trouble. First adult kind of movie that I watched with him.
0: Well, I'll take you, uh, I'll put forward, my, uh, my dessert now, my pudding. And it's one that I'm thinking about now was probably one of the first, other than Terminator um, this was probably one of the first sort of adult 18 films that I was allowed to watch at home. It was recorded off the TV, and I'm talking about RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Uh, the
2: 1987
0: film, um, Peter Weller starring as uh, as RoboCop. The not-an-allegory-for-Christ Alex Murphy that was killed, died, and got reborn three days later as the scum-hunting-killing cyborg RoboCop. Um, I absolutely <laughs> love this film. I think it's I think it's very clever. I think there's multiple layers to it. Even though it comes across as this dumb action, schlock, gory film. Um I think there's there's satirical commenting in there about um you've got business taking over of local local authorities, you have got um even questions or philosophical questions on should the police strike. And this is before we even get into should you put a man inside of a robot or not. Um and yeah, and, and and a robot shoots a guy in the dick. A robot shoots. You know what? Every film suddenly gets ten percent better if there's a guy being shot in the dick.
1: Well, I know. Up, I know. I'm watching. I know. I'm watching. <laughs> if someone if someone says to me, "If someone gets shot in the dick," I'm watching that movie. Hey, uh, come back! I want to come see *Terms of Endearment*. No, 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 no way! No there's thanks. a guy
0: gets shot? The guy gets shot in the dick at the end. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> a guy gets shot in the dick.
1: When do we go? <laughs>
0: I got tickets for tonight, right? No, but RoboCop. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's a classic. It's from my childhood. Um, I I put it on maybe every couple of months. So I, I, it's one of those I could happily put on and um, and just have on in the background. You know, every beat for beat, what's going to happen? Um, Kirkwood Smith's absolutely fantastic in it. He's, mm-hmm. he's quotable for for generations and it doesn't matter about what came afterwards we're talking here and a lot of these films that we talked about are either part of or starts of um big franchises and die hard rambo it's no coincidence that the best the first ones arguably the best and the worst and they get worse on as they go through the franchises yeah but i I
1: think yeah you make you made an interesting point at the start obviously about the social commentary thing and i think the problem happens with sequels is that they don't get the actual heart of what the first movie was about you know with obviously Robocop you know the first thing that strikes me is when I see it is obviously the you know multi-conglomerate companies and you know everything now is turned to advertising and yada 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 Um, but they they lose their soul after the first movie and the same thing happened with Rambo you know they lost they lost its soul you still enjoy them you know you still watch them you still you still like them you still you know give them time but they don't grab you quite as like what the first movie did. And it was, um,
0: Behoven that did Robocop for the first one. And I, I again, thinking back, I really do rate him as a director. And he's one of those that it sometimes gets a bit scoffed at because he's churned out some crap, showgirls, mm-hmm. or whatever, but he's the work he's done in terms of, you've got Robocop, total recall, starship troopers. These are films that are
1: amazing you know, movies
0: they are amazing movies they're fantastic films and again you look at all the ones that are made after them and you know it's the same stuff there you've still got a robot you've still got giant bugs and future setting or whatever but it it takes a director i think to have that that like you say that vision that story that they want to put put across and when you take that out kick ass 2 and kick ass have you seen both of those
1: I love the first one. The second one was just a mess.
0: Exactly. And that's that's the thing there, because I'm I'm putting Robocop and Robocop two together just in terms of comparing the how good the first one is in terms of what diminishing, diminishing returns. But the first kick ass was great, it had a lot of soul, it was it, it knew it was a low budget act, you know, action film that was gonna take some risks because there was low investment. And the next one was there was more of the, the gross out stuff, which nobody Mm -hmm. wants. Um, but because the price tag was so high, the real sort of gritty stuff that they wanted to do again, they couldn't. Robocop for me was that, you know, that first picture, Ed 209 coming in, blowing the guy to pieces. And this, this is back in the time. And I wanted to mention in sort of a roundup of Rambo first blood, you know, very much. I don't think there was any CGI in that, maybe a few explosions or whatever, Die Hard was the same. It was practical effects. Robocop, a lot of that suit was built. Labyrinth, it was all built and on set. Bowie even had to be able to talk to the puppets instead of the puppeteers. And hmm. it it kind of encapsulates the whole of the 80s for me. It is real people in real prosthetics and making a film on camera as opposed to just throwing CGI in and taking the soul away from it. And that's that, that's why I, I love Robocop because it still stands up today. It's still mm-hmm. just as gritty. It's still realistic, uh, and I think it can run rings around most of the films of of the decade. That's my guilty pleasure.
1: Well, I mean the one the one thing that I will say about RoboCop is I was. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched it. I'll be honest; it's be, probably been about ten, fifteen years since I watched RoboCop. It looked so good. Yeah, like like it, it, it for like when obviously I'm. We'll talk about budgets later on, but. When you think about the budget that they had to make that movie, it just goes to show what an actual good director can do with a movie. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. You take the, you take the money. I mean, films like, um, oh, God, I'm thinking off the top of my head, Moon by Duncan Jones. Mm-hmm. An absolutely fantastic movie made with very low budget, and it's about making that, that work. There was another film that came out recently. Oh, I, I know,
1: but Sam Rockwell could, could yeah. make a movie entertaining just by standing in an empty room. You know, but By finding the right cast. Mm. And
0: telling a good story, and using your budget wisely. District Nine, District yeah. Nine was a very low budget from what was on screen. Um, and Robocop for one of those was the money that was all put on screen. Sorry.
1: Check please.
0: Okay, well that was uh, that was the the two menus from ourselves this week. Um, for my menu of eighties movies. We had a starter of Labyrinth, followed by a fish course of Howard the Duck, a main course of Die Hard, and a, a dessert of Robocop and Cormac. Your menu was uh, a, an appetizer of Ferris Bueller's Day Off alongside the the fish course of Superman 4, Quest for Peace. Um, served up on a platter of Rambo First Blood, um, followed by by a, a dainty little Big Trouble in Little China afterwards. Um <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. You know, I, I'm gonna give my chef's kiss to one of your men one of your items there. I think it's only fair and you know what, I've gotta give that to Rambo First Blood. Um I'm really glad I got reintroduced that to that again after I haven't seen it for so long and watching it through sober eyes. Um no absolutely fantastic film, that and uh, a good choice from you there. What um what were you mentioning earlier about the budgets then? What what were you gonna say there?
1: So I was surprised by some of the budgets of these movies. All right. You know, we spoke about it with, with RoboCop, how well RoboCop looked, um, you know, and then you think of *Hard the Duck, and um, you know, of the, the monster at the end, you know, how yes. yeah. it, it didn't, it, it, you know, Harryhausen monsters look better than, than what happened at the end of *Hard the Duck, you know, so let's do your movies first. So okay. can you tell me of your movies, what one you think would have had the higher budget? So it's gonna be Hired the Duck, Labyrinth, Robocop, or Die Hard? Which one of Um, those had had the highest budget? I'm gonna go Die Hard. Okay. You would be wrong. Right. It's Hired the the Duck? How was the Duck had the biggest
0: budget of all four of them?
1: Yep. So which one do you think had the lower budget? Lowest budget? Um
0: Let's go let's go Robocop
1: bang on 13 right. million budget for robocop 30 million. 36 million obviously this is obviously back in the time so yeah. if you've got if you've got your calculator 2.55 for inflation um 25 million labyrinth and 28 million diehard
0: wow yeah so labyrinth would have been up there but
1: well, do you know what? Labyrinth, for me, again, was the biggest surprise, because Labyrinth only made $12.9 million. It didn't make a lot.
0: I, I read the Jim Henson autobiography, and he was very disappointed uh, by how poorly it had done. See, that was a, a work of... that was a, something he put a lot of work into after he yeah. you know, wanted to move on from Sesame Street, so yeah. that doesn't surprise me that it didn't make its money back, but... Uh,
1: but like what the about? biggest, the, the biggest gain, the biggest gain was Die Hard. Die Hard made uh 141 million. Uh, Robocop made 53 million. So you know, obviously, a great return on the budget. Um, hard the duck actually made 38 million. So it was in profit. So is this worldwide you know, or is this US? Um, I think most of them came down to US, but obviously back in the day yeah. there wasn't really that much worldwide. Um, most of the worldwide stuff came in when. VHS came in, or DVD came in, so nobody really put much, you know, uh, much paid into anything else but a US budget. Um, but going on so to mine... About, so, yeah, for yours then, so what, the the biggest budget? The biggest budget? Which movie had the biggest budget out of Superman, Rambo, Big Trouble, or Ferris Bueller? See, I'd take these all as quite low budget, but uh, I'd say Big Trouble. And you're right. Right. It's 25 million, Uh, Big oh, wow. Trouble. okay. Big Trouble was the lowest of all eight movies. It only made $11.1 million. Even so against was... First Blood? Yeah. Okay. No that's, that's how, no, that's how much it made. First, First Blood uh, made $125 million. Jesus, right. Okay. On a budget of 14 What's surprising to me, though, is yeah. that Superman, $17 million. That's atrocious. But that, no, that's the, how much the budget is. They they that's actually the budget. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they made they made thirty six
0: point seven. So seventeen million, and what say they add two and a half again for two point? You you double it and add half again for marketing and stuff. That's nowadays. But even still, you know, say they spent five million. That yeah, you can't. Right. You know what? Even today, if you made a, a Superman film for thirty million. You made a budget Superman film. It, it, it takes 70 million. 80 million. It,
1: Movie, mo- movies it, with no effects. Movies in fucking, in one room, you know, static cameras don't cost, you know, 30 million anymore. Or, or, or would cost 30 million now. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's the biggest. And yeah, sorry, Ferris Bueller, uh, 5.8 million budget and 70.1 uh, million they got back. Again, so, 5.8 you know, million. Yeah, do you know what I know a strange thing as well? that I, I noticed six of the eight movies that we chose were between 86 and 87.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. They're all they're all 86, 87, and then we had Rambo from 82, Robocop 87, Diad 88. So there was... I don't know why that is. Is it because... I mean, let's have a think. You you had, what, three years for him to get onto VHS
1: back in those days? Yeah, well, I think you've got to think yeah. about it as well, that, you know, back in the day you know, we didn't get those movies to like the early nineties. So oh, yeah. I I would have been maybe between nine and 10, you know, yeah. at, that, at that stage, you know, just coming into the, uh, just coming into the nineties. Yeah. So it's maybe probably, that's...
0: that's where you so get what, your love from. Uh, yeah. So what, um, what are we going to do for the next one then? I think, I think we've got to set, set uh, things straight with Hudson Hawk first, haven't we?
1: Oh, I have so many things to say about Hudson Hawk. Um, so little time <laughs> we will have more time next time so uh anything else you want to add no no thank you very much for having me and uh it's not so cold in my garage
0: <laughs> we're gonna get uh we're gonna start making the big bucks from this podcast come i'm gonna buy you a jumper yeah so look thanks very much for listening everybody uh we're gonna keep doing these um even if we're bored and even if we're boring and nobody listens we're gonna keep doing them and hopefully you enjoyed this one um Tweet us at at PodMovieChef if you've got any suggestions about topics you want discussed or if you want to come and discuss some with with us yourselves, you're more than welcome. Um, Other than that, thanks very much. Say goodbye, Cormac. See you, Paul. See you later, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.